here with the Vagistine podcast where we're having courageous conversations about sex. Um, so this week we are doing a Vagistine quickie. And so on our Vagistine quickies, um, I'm going to be answering some of your questions and I really appreciate you sending them my way. Um, our first question comes from, let's see, let's see. I don't want to use this person's real name. Uh, I'm going to say Terry. So Terry sent me an email and Terry says, Hey, Vanessa, um, I tear almost every time I have sex that involves penetration, right where my perineum begins. I use tons of lube and yet rip. What's going on there? It kills the vibe and hurts. So thanks so much, Terry, for sending in this question. I really appreciate you. Um, feeling comfortable enough to send it my way. Um, it actually sounds like you're doing some of the right things. And just as a side note, for those that don't know what the perineum is, some people actually call it the taint, but it's actually the area between the vagina and uh, the anus. So just for a reference point, that's what we're talking about. And that's what Terry is saying is ripping. Um, so with this question, I couldn't answer it right away because uh, what you indicated is is something that I would have just recommended anyway. Um, I would have said, you know, use tons of lube, relax, communicate with your partner. And it sounds like you're doing the lube part. And so I was kind of, I didn't know where to go with this. So I decided to do some research and... Um, I want you to know that I've read some forums and it seems like a lot of women are dealing with this actually. Uh, some women I've been reading about have been dealing with uh, tears of the perineum, um, labial tearing and vaginal tearing as well. And so I say all this to say that you're definitely not alone in this. Other people are dealing with it and I really appreciate you bringing this issue to the forefront. So since you said that you were using tons of lube, um, I have a couple suggestions um, off of some of the things that I've been reading and that I've been asking about and gathering. So the first thing is talk to your doctor. So I know we're all pretty smart and we got this lovely thing called Google, but I am not your doctor and I cannot give proper medical advice. Um, so I just want you to know, talk to your doctor if you haven't already. So number two, um, this actually could be happening uh, because of frequent or untreated yeast infections, herpes, dermatitis, which is also known as skin inflammation, something called lichen sclerosis, which I've never heard of before, which is actually a skin condition that causes skin to thin around the genitals. And for some people, treatments for some of those things include ordinary treatments that we would get from our doctors. Some people say that cortisol creams have worked and also steroid shots have worked as well. The third thing that I found um, related to this is that it could be related to low estrogen levels. So low estrogen levels cause the skin to thin. And for this, a lot of women have gone to their doctors to get their estrogen levels tested. Um, and the treatment for that 
some of these women have found that work for them, um, again, consulting with their doctors, um, has been to take medicated estrogen creams or apply, I'm sorry, apply medicated estrogen creams. And for some people, natural remedies have worked. So I've read that some women have used milk thistle capsules, zinc cream, barrier creams, maca black cohosh, and also something called chase berry supplements. Um, and lastly, um, I would say, you know, change your positions during sex so that you have more control. So something that I know that can happen, especially if we are having sex with male body people, um, what can happen is that, you know, some of that, you know, girth or force that our partners may be using because they're all passionate and in the moment actually could, you know, leaves us, leaves us not having a lot of control of how, how much insertion we're having and what's going on. So, um, when I say t change positions during sex where you have more controls, a lot of positions include you on top or positions where you are controlling the thrusting. And so I think with that, the combination of lube, asking your doctor and checking out some of these things, um, could possibly help. So I hope this is helpful and definitely let us know if none of this worked or maybe it did and maybe your doctor agreed um, with me and some of these other women that were able to help on some of these articles I've been reading. So thank you again, Terry, for sending in your message and I really appreciate it. So our second question comes from... I'm going to say her name is Juicy. All right. So here we go. So Juicy says someone I was having sex with got chlamydia and they were told to contact everyone they had ever had sex with, protected or unprotected in the past couple of months to inform them. But they didn't say anything about calling people who they had unprotected sex with. I guess there's greater risk of infection via penetration with a condom than oral sex without a condom. But from the limited sex ed that I have um, had at work and also myself, they almost always tend to talk about using protection during oral sex, which most people I have spoken to, even the careful ones, never do. I also think good, juicy, unprotected oral sex is essential for foreplay, and if you do it right and for long enough, it really helps to barely even feel that you're using a condom during penetrative sex. Um, to be completely honest, I have never tried using I have never tried using dental dams. Um, that name is awful. <laughs> um, or condoms during oral sex, but the idea is just quite unappealing. So as a sex expert, would you recommend juicy unprotected oral as foreplay to penetrative sex with a condom? Further, is this something we should be discussing more genuinely in sex ed and acknowledge that most people won't use protection during oral or would that be too risky given that there are much more serious and difficult to treat STDs out there? Um, it would also be helpful to know whether with other STD diagnoses, people are told the same thing my sex partner at the time was told to, to call everyone that they only had penetrative sex with. Whew. Thank you. So juicy man. Thanks so much for sending this. Um, you were really thorough with this question. I really appreciate you asking. Um, so 
this is what I'm thinking. So I had to, I had to read this question again because I wanted to make sure I got all the parts. So the worker that was doing that health investigation should have actually asked for all sex partners with all sex acts, not just penetrative sex. Um, I'm assuming they asked for the penetrative sex partners because oral sex is so common and people probably can't recall all the people that they've had oral sex with. So, and the risk for disease is a little bit lower, um, versus penetrative sex. So they probably wanted to target the highest risk behaviors is what I'm assuming. So I checked in with some folks that I know that do this work and apparently they said you're supposed to ask for all all types of sex, oral, anal, vaginal sex partners as well. So I completely, completely hear you, Juicy. Um, oral sex is my absolute, absolute favorite thing. And I know it's a lot of people's favorite things. It, it feels great. Um, and I know the thought of using a dental dam, saran wrap, um, condoms for oral sex seems unappealing, but honestly, with the rates of STDs out there, we can't escape it. We can't escape having this conversation. And for me, when I'm doing classes, it's all about how we're introducing the topic. It's, I think it's unappealing because people are like, here, here's this sterile thing in the package, use it without really talking about how to introduce it to partners, um, and how to, you know, sexify it up in order to, you know, present it in a way that's not so sterile, I guess. Um, but the thing to know is that there are STDs like HPV and herpes that don't need quote unquote sex to happen. All we need to do or all we have to do is actually rub up against these areas that are affected seen and unseen. Um, so that's kind of where we are when it comes to using, you know, dental dams and condoms and, and definitely having these conversations. So just a FYI for everybody, STDs that can be spread through oral sex are herpes, HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, and, and HPV. Um, HPV is linked to throat and tongue cancers. Herpes, which are the cold sores that turn into, uh, can actually turn into genital warts if someone who has the cold sores performs oral sex on a person's genitals, genital area. Um, and the risk is greater if the cold sore is present, but can still be spread even when not present or visible. Um, so since these are spread from skin to skin contact, dental dams and condoms definitely help, but are not 100%. When it comes to gonorrhea, chlamydia, and HIV, the best thing to do if we're trying to think about just a harm reduction approach is to definitely not let our partners with penises um, ejaculate in our mouths. Um, the load of infection in in that fluid is actually greater than um, the load of infection in vaginal fluids, and that's just the volume of um, liquid. So in the real world, I have two things that we can, that we can do. Um, so the first thing I want to say is it's really important that we get tested every six months, every six months to a year. And with every new sex partner, um, I am 100%, 200% advocate of this. And I'm not just talking to single people. I'm not talking about people who have one night stands. I'm not talking about sex workers. I'm not like, I'm talking to literally everybody. I'm a married person and I get tested 
every single time I go in to get a pap smear. And so that's at least once a year. And if there's a free testing going on that I see, I'm definitely getting tested. And the thing is, we've put so much stigma around getting tested. We put so much stigma around STDs. And the thing is, is that the numbers are high and it's not something that we really need to stigmatize. There is a there is a chance there's a chance our most our most common common STD in the United States is actually the human papillomavirus HPV and so it's said that about 80% of adults in their lifetime will have had HPV and so when we're thinking about stigmatizing people who have a STD or have had an STD that shit's whack because it's just it's when we're thinking about the reality of the situation it's most likely that we've come in contact or will come in contact with someone with STD. And it's really important to ask the questions. And it's really important that if we do have a STD, that we definitely have to know about it, get treated, and just adhere to our treatment plan. It's not the end of it. I, I, you know, I don't want to sound too cliche, but honestly, I don't want you to think this is the end of the world. No shade, no tea. You got to take care of yourself and that's that's just what it is and we you know we can't walk around thinking that things are a death sentence or thinking that it won't happen to us which is that in, in uh invisibility part that you know a lot of us have in our heads so i think all people if you're doing it you need to get tested and when we're thinking about getting tested i know sometimes the question mark is nah I don't know about that. I don't like needles. I don't like this. I don't want, I don't want to do all these things, but it's really simple. All right. So if we're sexually active folks, what we can do is for, um, getting tested for gonorrhea and chlamydia. It's very simple. It's as simple as peeing in the cup. Is that too hard to do? Nope. I'm going to answer for you. Nope. And so when it comes to HIV, which we can get our results within 20 minutes, it's literally a finger prick, just a little drop of blood that they will test. So we've seen those diabetes strip commercials and they have that little canister with the little needle in it to test your blood. It's the same, it's the same idea. And they're going to take a blood sample and they're going to test it and they'll let you know in 20 minutes. And so, uh, technology y'all, it works, get it done. I'll even, I'll even steer you in the, in the right direction on where to get tested. And, you know, I'm not going to tell y'all to do something that I wouldn't do. So I am a huge, huge, huge advocate of getting tested. I promise it won't hurt. And if they have to do a pelvic, a pelvic exam, or if they have to look at your parts, that's just what we got to do to make sure that we are doing it and doing it with knowledge. All right. And so number two, um, if this is a non-monogamous, a non-long-term or one night stand partner, and if we're having sex with that, per if we're having sex with a person with a penis, um, and you're paranoid, not sure if you want to engage in oral sex with them, I would actually refrain. And I, and I know for us oral love below lovers, we we're like, what? But if we're paranoid, um, you know, just, you know, just take that off the table. But if you feel like it's absolutely essential, um, to do it, um, 
I would either use a flavored condom um, that you can actually put on with your mouth. So that's how you could turn on the sexy. Um, and if you need more tips on how to do that, I will, I will find you. I could, I mean, I could instruct you through it, but I can probably find you a YouTube video on how to do that. Um, and flavored condoms come in all flavors. We got strawberry, we got mint, we got all the stuffs out there. Um, and if you don't want to use condoms at all, then I would say, please don't let male partners ejaculate in your mouth. Um, so juicy, Hey, I see you. I feel you. I appreciate your multi-part question. And I hope I gave you a good multi-part answer for your question. So let me know if it was helpful and definitely follow up if you have any more questions. All right. And so our last question of the day comes from Kyla and she actually sent a voice recording. Let's hear it. Hey Vanessa, it's Kyla. So I have a two-part question for those of us who love our vaginas but have never been able to attend a Vagisteam workshop. The first part is what's the biggest or most notable misconception women have about their vaginas? And if you had to choose, what's the one takeaway you'd want women to have after attending a Vagisteam workshop? So Kyla, thank you so much for sending in that question. Um, amazing question. So first of all, come on down to a Vagisteam, but better yet, if you can't come to a Vagisteam, but you have a group of people that you want to collect and have me come, I'm more, more, more than excited to come to you all to spread this Vagisteam gospel. So to answer the first part of your question, I feel like the biggest misconception that I hear um, when it comes to women and their genitals, man, this was a good question, is, you know, it's, I think it's two things. One, not everyone realizes that there's three openings below the belt for female-bodied folks. Uh, and so when I say three openings, I'm talking about the urethra where urine or pee comes out of the vagina and the anus. Um, I think a lot of us are operating sometimes, uh, from a place of just thinking everything, Hey, there's just one hole down there, one opening and everything happens out of there. That's, that's peeing, that's baby, that's period blood, that's poop, whatever. And so when I do Vagisteam sessions, the first thing we do is actually go through um, some anatomy, just some basic anatomy, just to get us all acquainted. And, you know, it's a way to loosen us up so that we, we are use, using similar language and we're all on the same page. And typically when I pull out a poster, folks are like, wait, 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 what, what's all this? What you talking about? And that's when I see the light bulbs go off. So I think some of us don't realize that there are three openings um, around and down there. I think the second biggest misconception is that, let's see, it's that vaginas, vulvas are only, just only, are, are all uniform. And so something that I always, always, always like to remind everybody, young to seasoned, is that 
you know, just like when we walk into a room and everyone has different faces, we don't, we don't have the same faces. We all have different things going on. It's the same thing, same thing with our gen, our amazing, our beautiful, our unique, um, vulvas, uh, because they're just not going to be the same. And so I think we grow up with this, um, image and mostly sometimes we get those images from porn, from those, those flicks that we see. And typically vaginas that we see usually aren't a lot of vaginas of, or vulvas, I'm sorry, of color. So that's one. And two, the ones that we do see are hairless, pink, lips don't hang down, lips aren't different sizes, and a cute little tiny button of a clitoris. We don't really see variations in shades, colors, hues. Uh, we don't really see um, those labia that can be, you know, tucked in, not seen, or that are long and that hang out um, you know, outside of the body, which is amazing and unique. And some people's clitoris, they're as big as a thumb. Some of them are as tiny as a pea. And so it's, we're not seeing enough of those images. And so one thing that women will see when they come to a vagisteam session is I have pictures, not just pictures of vulvas, but I show different sizes. I show different body types. I show um, what we, I, I show the real <laughs> unfiltered pictures of various vulvas so that one, we know that we're represented in the room and that, hey, you know what? Mine is unique. Mine's amazing. And mine is mine. And I want to do whatever I can to get to know this part of my body um, so that it can do the things that I want it to do, whether that's healing or whether that's pleasure or whether that's just um, just some self-discovery. So, uh, yeah, you're going to see you gonna see. I'm not going to scare you all um, with pictures, but I do offer that as a ways that we can see others because we oftentimes we don't have an opportunity to see them and the way that our anatomy is set up y'all um it's not like men's locker room where we could just see all the stuff hanging out like sometimes we got we got to go find all right so to answer the second part of your question uh something that I would like women to take away when they come to a vagistine class is, wow, man, Kylie, you got, you got me with a good question here. I want women to feel empowered. I want them to feel, um, invigorated. I want them to walk away with a sense of sisterhood and I want them to walk away with laughs. So I, I'm really a big, 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 big proponent of using humor to get things across and to talk about some things that might make us uncomfortable, especially when we're a group of women who don't know each other and we're talking about things as intimate as sex or things as intimate as our bodies. And depending on where we are in the room, some of us are super comfortable. Some of us are not comfortable at all. Some of us this is the first time we're seeing 
Um, we're just seeing with what a illustrated Volvo looks like. And it's, it's just all different types of people in the room. And so I like to use humor as a way to one, get people talking, but get people comfortable. And, and then I also want, you know, like I said, when we want women to, I want women to feel empowered. Um, I want women to walk away knowing, all right, you know, this, you know, my vagina, my vulva, my body is mine and it's amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes, um, to make sure that I'm bringing, bringing my body, you know, it's best health. It's I'm bringing it, it's best pleasure. I'm bringing it, um, some good self-esteem. I'm bringing it good partners. Um, and I'm, and I'm bringing knowledge to the table. And so I want women to feel, to walk away with those feelings. So, I hope I'm successful <laughs> in that. And um, I really hope to see you at a Vagis theme soon. And again, if you're in a place, I'm in Baltimore, but if you're in a place where you can't get to a Vagis theme, that's cool because I love traveling. I love trying new things and I like meeting new people. So if you got a college group, if you got a women's group, if you got a women's book club, whatever it is, you got a little weekend event, I will come and we will make this thing happen. So that's the end. Those are all the questions that I have time for today on our Vagistine Quickie. But if you have a question, if you have a voice recording you want to send me, please send it my way. I am always, always, always excited to get your questions. Send them um, to Vagistine, that's V-A-G, E-S-T-E-E-M at gmail.com and you can leave your voice recordings there as well. And no matter how long your question is and no matter what it is, I will do my best to answer it and bring you, <laughs> bring you some answers. Um, secondly, we are looking for writers on the Vagistine blog. So you don't have to be a formal writer. You don't have to have your master's degree in journalism. If you have some thoughts, you want to share a story or anecdote or even a funny picture, send it my way as well at vagistine at gmail.com. I'd love to share your stories with our listeners and with our viewers as well. So your story is important and that's what we value ourselves um, for doing at Vagistine, sharing your story, sharing our stories and sharing our stories in our own voices. So if you have something, send it my way. I want to post it. I want to read it. I want to talk about it. So send it. And lastly, I know y'all are listening out there. I, in order for us to keep spreading this Vagistine love, spreading this Vagistine gospel, I want more people to hear about it and I want to hear your thoughts on it. So if you are downloading this from iTunes, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. And you could do that by searching for Vagistine um, on the search on the search button on iTunes and you could leave a rating right there and also leave me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you have a show idea, send that my way too. All the emails are all the same. Send it, dump it. You don't even have to make it formal. Send it all my way, but please rate, subscribe, laugh, share. And that's the only way that we're going to be able to spread this Vagistine love. So everyone have a good two weeks. I will see y'all 
Our next show topic is talking about culture and sex. So I'm hoping to have some awesome, awesome, awesome friends here with me. If you have any questions or things that you want to contribute to that, again, send it to vagesteam at gmail.com. See y'all in two weeks. Bye. I'm so possessive, so I love this rock that possess My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana You mix that Negro with that Creole like a Texas Bama My daddy Alabama, mama